We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talk About Full Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. This is episode 498. Today is Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween, everybody out there listening. A All right, so I'm taping this. This is a solo episode. Will not be long. Taping this very late on Sunday night. Maybe a half hour or so after the Buffalo Bills go to 6-1 and one on the season. Big win in prime time at home over the Green Bay Packers. 27-17. We'll talk about that in uh, just a few minutes. couple things here at the top that I want to let you know. Again, this is going to be a solo episode. I just got some uh, instant takeaways from the game. Won't take up much of your time at all. Um, on Tuesday... Got my regular show with Joe Yernan, and I'm sure we'll talk plenty about this game, both the game itself and maybe some big picture takeaways when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. That's what we usually do uh, a couple days after a Bills game. Of course, we'll also talk plenty Buffalo Sabres. So that will be Joe Yernan on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, as of right now anyway, my plan is to have both Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham with me. Um, we're going to be doing a show again, at least as of right now, this is tentative. Things could happen. Uh, you know, maybe some big bills, news breaks, uh, trade deadline is Tuesday. Some things could uh, throw a monkey wrench in it. But right now the plan is to have both sale and Tim Graham with me taping a show live at Imperial pizza in South Buffalo, by the way, not just any episode of talking Buffalo podcast. Um, this is actually a milestone 500th episode of Talking Buffalo podcast. Sal was my first ever guest. Tim was my second ever guest on the podcast all the way back in uh, 2018. So anyway, that is the plan to have them guys on Wednesday. Then, of course, Aaron Quinn joins me casual Friday every week. So again, tons of Buffalo Bills talk coming all week long on this podcast. Um, At the end today, too, I got a couple things related to uh, Wednesday's show and 500 episodes that I wanted to hit on. But let me start by asking you guys this. Has the bar been raised so much at this point when it comes to the Buffalo Bills that winning a game in prime time by two scores feels almost like at least a little bit anyway of a, of a letdown? Because, and again, knee, I am a knee-jerk reactor. I say it all the time, you know, and I haven't really had time to contemplate this game much much less uh sleep on this game but my first reaction right now is like yeah this wasn't really a a fun football game man i mean a win is a win of course but the excitement the wow factor the style points just was not there with this game and i feel almost at least a little bit uh well disappointed i know that sounds crazy because look at it this way folks when that schedule came out last April, throughout the spring, into the summer, in the training camp, I remember the talk was how daunting the first seven games of the Buffalo Bills 2022 schedule looked. And if I would have told you on the eve 
of the Bills season opener that they would play the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football in prime time, win a game by two scores, and also, quite frankly, in a game that they were never legitimately threatened in. And it's not like there was a lot of, uh, not not a lot of nail-biting, not a ton of drama. And if I would have told you the Bills would win comfortably by 10 a couple months ago, would you have signed up for that? I know I would have. Everybody would have. Oh, that was a rhetorical question, by the way. But this team right now, they're, they're so talented. Um, they're so hyped up. Not just locally, man. Nationally, you follow the national media, the TV, the print, radio, you name it. This team has put on such a pedestal right now, and they have a bar that is so high for them that going out, and winning a pretty ugly game, they only scored three points in the second half. It felt a little lethargic, man. I'm not, I'm not feeling the vibes right now. I'm sure you, to some extent, anyway, you probably feel the same. Now, uh, listen, <laughs> a win is a win is a win. The Buffalo Bills are six and one. Uh, they have the best record in the AFC. If you want to count tiebreakers, they actually got a game and a half lead right now in the AFC through seven uh, games. So that's great. But it's just, I don't know, it's just something again. And I'm, I'm sure it's because the bar is so high right now that, um, I don't know, just it, it, it was not a very satisfying or gratifying victory. But it is one nonetheless. Josh Allen himself, right after the game, when he was interviewed by NBC, he uh, kind of referred to the game as gross, meaning an ugly win. But whatever, man. Uh, uh, you know what, too? By the way, I don't know how you guys feel. I know it's Sunday night football. And again, the whole nation's watching. You're the only game in town. I, I get all that. That's cool. But I really hate night games. I really, really do. I hate night games. It feels like Sunday takes forever. Got up, was doing stuff around the house, put on red zone, was running errands. I was doing whatever I could to make the day go by quicker. And it just felt like it took forever to get to, uh, Sunday night football. And another thing I don't like about the Buffalo Bills playing on Sunday night or Thursday night or Monday night is I think having all day to think about it gets me overthinking too much. I never, I hated Green Bay being double digit underdogs. I really did. It was the the biggest um, point spread that Aaron Rodgers has ever seen in his entire Green Bay career, which is absolutely amazing to me, by the way. 10 and a half point underdogs. I think that's what it was, the closing line. Uh, I heard Matt Berry talking on the pregame, the NBC uh, fantasy analyst. He said on the pregame that Josh Allen might not put up great numbers because Josh Allen might not even have to play all four quarters. You know what I'm saying? Again, talking about that bar just being raised so damn high right now. But anyway, I don't know. I, I Again, I overthink things and I'll convince myself. You give me enough time to think about it. I'll convince myself that any team in the NFL can come into Buffalo and win. I mean, it's not true, but I'll convince myself of that. And that's kind of how I was. I was a little bit stressed out going into this game. I'm like, nobody is giving the Green Bay Packers a chance whatsoever. And to be fair, and they never really played like they had a chance. Again, don't look at the final score. The Bills shot themselves in the foot, and that's the only reason why this was a... Uh, a 10-point game. But anyway, here's all I want to do today for today's show. And again, we'll talk much more about this game with Joe Yerden on Tuesday, Sal and Tim on Wednesday, and then Aaron Quinn on Friday. But I want to talk, I want to hit on some points, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I think there was plenty of it on this Sunday night football game. Uh, let's start with the good. I thought the Bills running game, in the first half especially, was really on point. I thought the Bills ran the ball very well in the first half. Uh, the stats certainly say that. The Bills ran for 102 yards in the first half, and they averaged 8.2 yards per carry. Now, that really shouldn't be that surprising because the Bills are so dangerous on offense, and you can only do so much on defense. So what are you going to, what are you willing to give up if you're a defense? To me, it's just the Bills don't run the ball that often. but. This isn't, they have an opportunity to run it effectively. You're certainly not going to bring extra guys in a box to stop the Bills running game when you got Josh Allen in an explosive passing game. So I thought to the Bills credit in the first half, the game plan was to run the ball. 
not so much a, a ton, but certainly effectively, and that's exactly what they did. I thought the running game in the first half was really good. Devin Singletary had like 51 yards on six carries. Josh Allen had that beautiful 20-yard run. They got him down to the goal line, and then I think it was the next play. It looked like he was going to run it in, and then he tossed it to a wide-open Dawson Knox for the touchdown. But anyway, I thought the running game was really, really good in the first half, so I thought that was good. Um, James Cook, I thought he was really good. Five carries for 35 yards. He also caught a short pass and took it upfield and, and gained 41 yards. So you're talking uh, six touches of the football and 76 total yards from scrimmage. James Cook is a really interesting story right now to me because I the trade deadline is Tuesday. I don't think this game, if you think the Bills should trade for a running back, I'm not sure this game changed your mind, but maybe it did because I think we saw we saw good things from James Cook. And we obviously saw good things from Devin Singletary, again, especially in the first half. And there was a report on Sunday morning that, you know, some Jay Glazier too, you know, it's not some idiot out there. Jay Glazier said that the Bills did reach out to the New Orleans Saints about trading for Elvin Kamara, but the Saints rebuffed whatever offer was made. Uh, I don't think details were reported on the uh, on the offer. But anyway, it's clear that Brandon Bean is at least looking into the running back market. You know, Kamara unlikely to happen. Maybe any trade is unlikely to happen. But my point is, this shows that the Bills are at least interested in trading for a running back before Tuesday's deadline at 4 p.m. But, if they don't swing a trade, and, and by the way, the reason why I've been on board with it is I think that the Bills don't trust. It's not that they don't like James Cook. I think James Cook is a pretty good running back right now, and I think he's going to have a great future with this team. But I think the the line of thinking that Brandon Bean might have right now is Devin Singletary is, is clearly your workhorse running back. And... Were something to happen to him at some point during this season, some point down the stretch, I'm not sure that you want to have to entrust James Cook to be your primary running back right now because Zach Moss is not going to be that guy. In fact, if anything, if something happened to Singletary and they don't make a trade, I could see Duke Johnson being brought up from the practice squad and him being the number two behind James Cook. I just don't see much of a role for Zach Moss on this team at this point. Anyway. I think that him being a rookie, I don't think that they want to trust James Cook right now. I don't think they want to have to depend on him because he's a rookie. So I still think the Bills very well could trade for a running back. Again, Kamara's been reported. I think, and I know a lot of Bills fans don't like hearing this, but I think Kareem Hunt is definitely a possibility. I think David Montgomery from Chicago is a possibility. Maybe Antonio Gibson from Washington, he could be a possibility. Uh, Josh Jacobs from the Raiders, especially if the Raiders went out and laid an egg on Sunday. I mean, they're out of it this year. Jacobs is going to be a free agent. I guess that's a trade I can see happening. So I still think the Bills are going to sniff around before Tuesday, and I wouldn't be surprised if they make a trade. But the point I'm getting at is it was very promising to see James Cook touch the ball six times and accumulate 76 yards of offense today. That was really uh, good. Continuing with the good. Not, not good. Great. Stephon Diggs, man. The dude's just great. Six catches, 108 yards, a touchdown. He's pretty much been unstoppable all season. And as great as this team is as a whole, they have their moments where they, they do a lot of dumb things, quite frankly. And guys, you know, a little bit up and down. Just Stefan Diggs is consistent, man. I think, it, you know, he might he might be the team's most consistent player this year so far. That's how, that's how great I think he's been. Anyway, six catches, 108 yards. A touchdown. Your boy's just unstoppable. Um, first half, Josh Allen was really, really good. I think he was 9 of 12 for 129 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Plus, he ran for 26 yards, including that 20-yard run down to the goal line on third down, by the way. Uh, a big play for him. So, first half, Josh Allen was great. It was obviously a, a, a Jekyll and Hyde performance from Josh, and we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. But, yeah, the running game was on point. Cook looked good. Diggs looks great. First half, Josh was really good. I thought the first half offense as a whole was good. They came out three and out right away. I mean, that was not a good start to the game. But then they come out and they kick it. They score a touchdown. And then they score another touchdown. 
Uh, they get the ball before the half, like what, what less than a minute left on their own 20. They drive right down the field and they had to settle for a field goal going into the locker room. So the first half offense was really good. Um, I thought as a whole coming off a bye, sometimes the team will come off a bye and they'll play, they'll do a lot of undisciplined things. And I thought for the most part, the Bills were very disciplined against the Packers. Uh, minus, of course, Gabe Davis, dumb uh, penalty late in the fourth quarter. That was unnecessary. But that aside, man, four penalties for 35 yards for the game for the Bills. I'll take that every single night. Conversely, I thought Green Bay shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Uh, eight catch or eight penalties for 58 yards, including Quay Walker, uh, the rookie linebacker, getting thrown out of the game for shoving a Bills practice squad tight end on the sidelines. Just inexcusable, stupid uh, football there by Green Bay. Dumb decision. I thought the Bills, for the most part, were disciplined well. Uh, on the other side of the football, I thought at times, especially in the first half, Ed Oliver was dominant. Might have been the best player on the defense for the Bills. On Sunday night, at least in the first half anyway. He was really, really good. Um, Greg Rizzo had another sack. He's got five already this year. I, I thought he played well. Um, this was the Tim Settle, we'll call it his breakout game. This is the game where Tim Settle made a, a nice impact for this defense. He got a sack in the first quarter, and he tipped the pass in the third quarter. That led to a Matt Milano interception, which was one play after the first of two Josh Allen really bad interceptions uh, in the second half. So I thought Tim Settle played really well. And then uh, Matt Milano, man. I mean, this guy, put it this way. Josh goes without saying, Stefan goes without saying, and Vaughn Miller goes without saying. I think all three of those guys have a very legitimate chance to be first or at worst second team NFL All Pros this year. I'm telling you, man, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, Matt Milano's an All Pro linebacker right now. And I didn't say Pro Bowl linebacker; I said All Pro linebacker. There is a difference. This guy has been consistently one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL. He finds his way around the football. He's aggressive. He's a very good tackler, which is. You can't say the same for a lot of these uh, d- defenders right now on the Bills, including Sunday Night. More on that in a minute. But Matt Milano has been consistently on that same level that Stephon Diggs has been on the offense for the Bills this year. I think he's been that good. Um, One last thing, too. Josh Reed, Channel 4 sports reporter. He had a tweet. I want to read this because this is the difference with the Buffalo Bills makeup now compared to maybe a couple years ago. Josh tweeted. He said the Bills... And this was um, regarding the end of the first half when the Bills got the ball. The Bills had the ball in the 20 with no timeouts, up 14 points, facing Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't that long ago where they would have taken a knee and went into the locker room happy with a nice first half. Things have changed a lot. They went right after the Packers and added three points. That's spot on. Absolutely, that's the truth, man. The Bills are aggressive. The Bills are confident. And again, at least in the first half, this is the Buffalo Bills that we've seen a lot of this season. A very dominant first half that they, uh, you know, it was 24-7, I believe, at, at, at the end of the half. And it felt like it could have even been more. But the Bills clearly outplayed Green Bay and it showed on the scoreboard in the first half. So lots of good coming out of the this game. On the other side, the bad. I mean, let's start with Josh Allen. Look, it's okay to to be a big Josh Allen fan. And if you're a Bills fan, if you're listening to this, look, man, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to me, we're all Josh Allen fans, including me. If the season ended right now, without question, I think Josh Allen is the NFL MVP. Nobody's taking that away from him. He's special. He played special in the first half of this game too, by the way. But... Let's call a spade a spade. It's okay to be a fan of Josh Allen. It's okay to think he's the best player in the NFL, which I do currently. But it's okay to criticize a player when it's warranted. Josh Allen had a very, very, very lousy second half on Sunday night. 5 of 13 passing, 91 yards, and not one, but two interceptions. 
and not just two interceptions, two inexcusable, inexplicable, horrible throws and bad decisions. And he knows it too, by the way. Again, let's criticize him. It's okay. Trust me. I have all the confidence in the world in Josh Allen. I'm worried about his second half, 0%, less than zero. And I'm sure he is too. And Josh learns from his mistakes. I feel bad for the New York Jets defense right now next week because he's not going to do these same things again next week. But anyway, on Sunday night, he was not good. A few horrible throws, a couple bad decisions. There were a couple times where he should have took off running and he didn't. I remember the one, I I think it was... uh, I don't know if it was third or fourth down. I can't remember. I think it was third down. He had Jake Kummer wide open in any air mail. Then ended up being a legal man downfield too, which again, should have ran the ball. Uh, just some very uncharacteristic quarterbacking play that, you know, we've become accustomed to seeing from a guy who looks like he's going to be this year's NFL MVP. The Bills kind of got away with a, a very bad quarterback second half on Sunday night. So that was bad. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I know he's such a such a lightning rod to discuss, and it's been that way for a couple of years now. And I know, especially on social media, people fight about. You know, some people think the guy's great. Some people think the guy stinks. I personally don't think either. And he certainly doesn't stink. I don't that it don't know that he's great. But I'll say this: I had a lot more positive than negative things to say about Tremaine Emmons, especially this year. I think he's been a little more aggressive. I think he's been flying to the football. He's been making more tackles at or near the line of scrimmage. Impact plays, splash plays. He, he's, he's, he's been pretty good this year. But we got shitty Tremaine Edmonds on Sunday night, quite frankly. I, I thought he was really, really bad. He was guessing wrong gaps. He was tackling high and, and not bringing guys down. He was getting swallowed up in blocks because Green Bay was obviously committed to running the football. I thought this was just with Josh Allen. Josh Allen far and away had his worst half of football in the second half against the Packers. I thought this was far and away Tremaine Edmonds' worst game uh, with the Buffalo Bills this season. And I don't know what the stats are. I don't have them in front of me, actually. I really don't care what the stats are. I don't care how many tackles he had. I'm telling you right now, Tremaine Edmonds did not play a good game. Tremaine Edmonds had the kind of game that if you are a uh, critic of him, you got a lot of ammunition. His tackles all felt like they were six to eight yards past the line of scrimmage. He just wasn't making any meaningful plays, which is the exact opposite. Again, this is why I said, and this is not really a dig at Tremaine as much as this what I'm saying now is a compliment to Matt Milano, but Matt Milano just seems to make big plays, big hits. He's a, he had an interception. He just always seems to be around the football when it matters. And I don't see that as much with Tremaine. I've seen it a little more this year, but didn't see it at all on Sunday night, but I, I need to be careful here too, because I don't want to uh, blame one guy. It's so, it would be so easy to just say, you know, this, this guy is the reason the defense did not play very well in the, in the second half of this game. That's not the case. The bigger problem with the Bills in this game against Green Bay, and also, quite frankly, for chunks of this season, if there's been one, uh, and I'm nitpicking a little bit here, but if there's been one thing about the Bills this year that has kind of like cons- been on the cons- semi-consistent, at least, bad side, is their tackling. Like, they miss a lot of tackles. And the Bills did not do a good job of tackling uh, Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon on Sunday night. Those guys ran through a lot of tackles, man. A lot of them. Uh, the Bills have to tackle better. It didn't hurt them on Sunday, but I think at some point, it will. So the tackling was bad. Green Bay ran for a lot of yards. Um, going back to the other side of the ball, too. I, I think... And I think I am, listen, I am Gabe Davis. I'm team Gabe Davis. I love Gabe Davis. He's had a very up and down season so far this year, though. I mean, he was obviously spectacular against Pittsburgh. He was great against the Rams. And he's been hurt for a chunk of the year. His ankle definitely bothered him. It bothered him in Miami. We saw that. I think it was Baltimore. He had a couple games where he was like not a factor whatsoever. 
This was Sunday night was a pretty forgettable game for for uh, for Gabe. It was a forgettable night. Um, he had a, he had a really bad drop, perfect pass from Josh Allen, a quick little slant, and it went right through Gabe Davis's hands. Uh, he that, that again end of the game. You got to keep your composure. I know it was chippy. I know it was a lot of talking. In fact, that was kind of like a, a big post game thing with the press conferences. There was a lot of chirping, a lot of shit talking, more than usual. And at some point, Gabe Davis got frustrated with uh, Jarrah Alexander hitting him from behind. You're protecting a lead, just a completely unnecessary penalty to cost your team yards and a, a stoppage at the clock because Green Bay ended up getting what would have been their last time out. They ended up getting it back because of Gabe's penalty. So, not a good night for Gabe Davis, not a good night for the tackling, not a good night for Tremaine Edmonds, and not a good night for Josh Allen uh, in the second half. And then the last thing I would say is this, although to be fair, the last drive, the last Buffalo drive, at least they, and not counting the count or the kneel down at the end of the game, but they did a somewhat decent job of running the ball. They moved the chain a couple times and they ran some minutes off the clock. That aside, what concerns me about the Bills, and again, going back to a reason why I think maybe this team should consider a trade for a running back before Tuesday, the Bills will pile up yards and impressive stats running the ball, especially, you know, when the game is uh, it's not out of reach. But, you know, the Bills are, are playing offense, especially in the first half, because you have to respect Josh Allen and his arm and the passing offense. You have no choice. You cannot bring more guys into the box. You know, you get that. Everybody knows that. But... The Bills right now, their ability to protect leads right now in the, you know, maybe going into the fourth quarter and you got a two or a three score lead and you just want to grind out first downs and run the clock and put a team away. I'm a little bit concerned about the the Bills' ability to do that. Um, Stingletary had one pretty good run in the second half, but aside from that, he was getting bottled up at the line. And I like Devin Singletary. And I want to be careful here because I, I don't want to say something that's uh, that's inaccurate. Devin Singletary's slippery. De- Devin Singletary could get through small holes really well. And he's holding on to the ball really well, too. I mean, he's, he's touching the ball a lot, too. He hasn't fumbled in a while, which was a problem in his career. But the problem that I see with Devin Singletary is he just never seems to break a tackle. He gets hit. He's down. He's going down. He doesn't drag the pile a yard or two when you need it. I would like to see, I mean, look, who doesn't want Alvin Kamara? But the guy I keep coming back to is either Jacobs from the Raiders or Montgomery from the Bears. A guy who will run into hard like Zach Moss is supposed to do, but also has more ability to make you miss. And I feel like a guy like Montgomery or Jacobs could be a guy that you could really use in the fourth quarter of protecting a two-score lead. I just think he's the up there better running backs than Singletary when it comes to that. Singletary has a lot of good strengths. He could catch the ball out of the backfield well, and again, he's slippery. But when you know the Bills are going to run the football because they're protecting the lead, he's not the guy. I, I don't feel great about him back there, and I think the Bills need to be better and find somebody who can uh, more effectively run the football down the stretch. Anyway, real quick break. Going to come back. i got a couple ugly things from the game to talk about as well, and then, like I said, I want to talk about uh, this 500th episode coming up real quick. So be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about Odds Trader, the number one site for all your game day bets. 
If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, I'm back here again. We are quickly recapping the Buffalo Bills 27-17 victory over the Green Bay Packers. Sunday night football. The Buffalo Bills are now 6-1 on the season. Uh, so we talked about the good. We talked about the bad. Um, the ugly, well, first on the injury front, Jordan Poyer uh, injured his elbow. X-rays on Sunday night as we're taping this. He will be getting an MRI on Monday Probably by the time you're hearing this, obviously he he said that he hopes for the best. He said he felt something pop and it was not the same type of elbow injury that he hurt during training camp. This is uh, potentially ugly. That's why I put it under the ugly category. Let's hope that this MRI comes back clean and maybe worst case, Poyer misses a game or two because... DeMar Hamlin has played reasonably well this year. He's certainly no Micah Hyde, but he's also no slouch out there either. He's a good run defender, and he's made some pretty good plays in the passing game, although he did get beat uh, for for a touchdown by Green Bay on on Sunday night. But that's going to happen, man. Unless you're Micah Hyde, that happens to pretty much every safety, free safety back there. Anyway, my point is this. I'm good with Hamlin and Jordan Poyer. Like, I'm good with that combination. I'm not good with Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson if Jordan Poyer is going to be out several weeks if this MRI comes back um, not good for the Buffalo Bills. You know, we've talked about it on this show. I know you've thought about it. You talk about it on social media. The Bills making a trade for a running back before Tuesday. I'll tell you right now, they're going to get the MRI results Monday. If this injury to Jordan Boyer is any significance, I would very, very, very highly consider the Bills and Brandon Bean get on the phone and look into the safety trade market. Give me a doesn't have to be a stud player because you don't you don't want to give up a lot of assets or you know um, money depending on what the, the the player's salary cap situation is, but I think the Bills absolutely if Jordan Poyer is going to be down for an extended period of time, I think the Bills would be well well smart to go out and find themselves another safety. Get him, give me a give me a veteran safety. I do not want Johnson and Hamlin back there. I, I just don't. So go find a safety. So the Jordan Poyer elbow injury potentially at least is ugly. Uh, by the way, David Quisenberry, which I don't know any other details, but it was, I saw it reported by a couple uh, Bills beat reporters that he was in the x-ray room after the game as well. Of course, he's already started right tackle in place of Spencer Brown, who's out right now. So the injuries potentially to Poyer that, you know, again, hopefully it's good news. If it's not, I really think they need to go out and get themselves a safety. Not to mention Cam Lewis becomes your third safety. So you, you you don't want that. I think Brandon Bean should do something on Tuesday, penning what the results are with uh, Poyer. And then, um, you know, an, an ugly thing for, one ugly thing for both teams. From the Bills' side, look, it hasn't really hurt them yet. I mean, they turned the ball over four times to open up the season in L.A. against the Rams, and they still won by 21 points. And that's with four turnovers. So it hasn't really hurt them yet, but there's been times this year where the Bills' worst enemy is the Bills. 
themselves. They're their own worst enemy. Their one loss was in Miami, and I'm, yeah, look, they they made mistakes, but I still blame that loss. That loss had more to do with the extreme weather and the extreme lengthy injury list, all the guys that were out for the Bills. But my point was this game against Green Bay. They, they shot themselves in the foot. Has not hurt them yet, but at some point you cannot expect to have your quarterback throw two inexcusable, ugly interceptions in the second half. You can't go on the road like they did on the opener and turn the ball over four times and expect to win by three touchdowns. You're not going to keep winning games. Well, I don't know. They're talented enough that maybe they will. I won't attempt fate, though. You're not going to keep blowing teams out if you're losing a turnover battle a lot. And that's probably one of the the Bills' biggest Achilles heels right now is they're, again, shooting themselves in the own foot. That That's from the Buffalo side. One last thing about this game, and again, going to talk plenty about this with Joe and with Aaron, with Tim, with Sal throughout this week. If I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm pissed off right now. I thought the Packers' effort to to win this game until it was basically too late. I thought it was gutless. I thought it was. I, I thought they played like cowards. You have now. Look, I get it. His receivers are hurt all over the place. The talent is just not there. I get it. I really do. But at the end of the day, you've lost three in a row. Nobody thinks you're going to win. You basically got nothing to lose. Sunday night football, the world is watching and the Packers played that third quarter. So they go into the locker room down 24 seven and they played that third quarter. Like their goal for the football game was to not lose by 30 points. It didn't feel like they were trying to win the game. It felt like they were trying to not lose by 30 points. You have the back-to-back reigning MVP of the league. And again, I don't care how decimated his receivers are with injuries. Put the ball in his hands, and they did it. They just kept running the football over and over and over and over again. And don't get me wrong, the Bills did not tackle well. The yards, they piled up. But running the football got them nowhere. Got them a field goal. It got them long drives that amounted to nothing, basically. That's not how you're going to beat the Buffalo Bills. I think Aaron Rodgers might have thrown like maybe eight passes in the first three quarters that actually went more than like six or seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. Or beyond, I should say. It was run the ball, run, 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 quick short pass, quick short pass, run, run, quick short pass. Again, you're going to put up numbers, total yards, they'll they'll pile up. You're not going to win a game like that. I thought it was basically gutless by the Packers. Aaron Rodgers didn't open up until the very end when they absolutely had no choice. They were out of time. They they couldn't run the football anymore. And then they had some success. Makes you wonder if you're a Packers fan. Hey, we're worried about, they were so worried about Vaughn Miller and Rizzo and this pass rush and their ability to pass block that they basically just conceded the passing game until the game was basically over. And I I don't know. I I just think that's a pretty gutless way to to play football, especially when you got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it don't go your way. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets sacked eight times. Maybe he throws three picks. Maybe he takes the beating of a lifetime. But we saw at the end of the game, if you're going to beat the Buffalo Bills, you better attack. You're going to have to score points. You're going to go toe-to-toe with them. At least try. It didn't look like the Packers. Again, the Packers... It just looked like their goal was to keep the game close. And if I'm a Packers fan, that would really piss me off. Really piss me off. But anyway, again, the Bills, 6-1 and one after eight weeks, after seven games. They come off a bye. No real letdown. Well, I mean, a little bit of a letdown in the second half, but doesn't matter. They win. They got a very favorable back end of the schedule coming up right now. I think... Quite frankly, and I'm just thinking of this on the fly, the Bills would have to play some, they'd have to suffer significant injuries and or their level of play would have to really at this point tail off for them to finish any worse than, at worst, 13 and four this year. If the Bills are any worse than 13 and four, their level of play must really have tailed off as we hit get close anyway, this second half of the schedule, because there's, there's very, 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 every game's winnable when, when you're the Buffalo Bills. 
But there's some games that there's just no excuse to not lose. No excuse to not lose. I know they got Miami at home. They got Bengals on the road. Uh, the Vikings, who I think are good, but I still don't think they're that good. But they only got one loss this year. They're coming to Buffalo in a couple weeks. I just, I don't see it, man. The Jets ain't beating them. New England's not beating them. There's no way the Bills should be any, any less than 13-4 uh, and four when this season's over. And I'm not, I mean, 14-3 and three sounds a lot more realistic to me. But I would say 13-4, and four, no worse than that. Um, Before I let you go real quick here. I, I just, because I don't want to talk about this on Wednesday. Hopefully, again, as planned anyway, I, I'm going to have Tim Graham and Sal Capaccio. And when I get those guys, I want to talk life and football with them. And I want to make the show about me talking about having 500 episodes. But since I got a couple quick minutes here at the end, I do want to say, you know, I, I'm very, I'm proud and I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited to still do this podcast and to think that this week is going to be the 500th episode is, uh, it's a big milestone for me. And I think back to late 2017, at some point, like late fall of 2017, I said that I wanted to do a podcast. Now at the time, there were a decent amount of Buffalo based podcasts out there, but there certainly wasn't a trillion of them like there is now, but I, I remember back to that time and I started watching YouTube videos. I had zero podcasting experience before doing Talking Buffalo podcasts. I had very little experience uh, on radio. You know, I did some smaller interviews here and there. I had zero experience as a host. I had very little experience talking on air as the interviewer instead of the interviewee. So I was nervous and I did a lot of research and I decided I was going to do this. And I think back now to February of 2018, when the first episode of this podcast dropped and I'm like, it has truly, truly, truly been a very enjoyable, um, entertaining for me, at least anyway, and hopefully at least to some extent for you guys a very entertaining and a very uh, eye-opening ride. And one, again, I'm very grateful and I'm very humbled to be able to do this. And I think back to how many people have helped make this podcast uh, what it is, you know, to some extent on the map, certainly when it comes to Buffalo talk and, and Buffalo sports. And I go back to the very beginning. Now I had written freelance stuff, blogs. I, I've been involved in sports writing for a long time, but again, never any kind of broadcasting before. So I made contacts through the years. You know, I got developed some relationships with a lot of these people that, you know, well in the sports media. And I was able to, when I was planning the podcast to launch it, I was able to talk to some people ahead of time and get them to commit to being on the show because what way to get instant credibility when you launch a podcast and they come right out the box with some very well-known, credible, respected guest. And I did that. Two guys who hopefully will be on this show on Wednesday, Sal Capaccio. Literally, I talked to him and I talked to Tim Graham before I even released the first episode of the podcast. And I said, would you guys be my guest right away? I know people will listen because they want to hear from you. And both of them graciously agreed and I remember the episodes because it's not as much like that now, but back then, especially because the first, they would be the first time I had people on, we didn't really talk much about sports. It was about the people that I had on, their lives, their careers, all kinds of that. You know, it was just fun talk and I really enjoyed it. And I, and I know it resonated with people as well. But anyway, I got to give credit. Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham, first two guests right away, helped me put my name on the map instantly. Uh, and then among like those first five or six episodes, I also got to say Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News. And uh, Tyler Dunn, well, I think Tyler at the time was with, maybe it was with Bleacher Report or it might've been the Buffalo News. I, I can't remember. Of course, now he does his own thing, go long and he's crushing that. But anyway, Sal, Tim, Jay and Tyler, having those four guests on, like within the first six or seven episodes gave me some instant credibility with fans and it would only take off from there because it would be not too long after that, getting some really good local guests allowed me to reach out to some national people. And then, of course, by, you know, maybe three, four months into the podcast, it was once a week when I first started out. But, man, I get to episode 23, 
and I'm sitting here having a conversation with Adam Schefter for 50 minutes on the podcast, still kind of one of those pinch me moments as a, as a first time podcaster to have something like that. But yeah, sure. Adam Schefter. And that would lead to having Josina Anderson on this show and Richard Dice from the athletic and Lee Steinberg, the, the, the most famous sports agent ever. Lee Steinberg, man. I mean, are you kidding me? Adam Kaplan and, and Ross Tucker, all these big names came on my podcast and I got to, again, I got to give credit to a lot of the local Buffalo people who really helped me uh, make a little bit of a name for myself here. And then from there, like Chris and Ledlow and Charlotte Wilder and Jenny Vranches, Mary Kay Cavill, just so many people like that I've had on the show. I've had a lot of uh, former Buffalo Bills players and athletes on this show through the first 500 episodes here. Uh, Don Beebe, I've had Steve Christie, Will Wolford, uh, Eric Woods been on a couple times. Had John Fina on a couple times, uh, Jerry Ostrowski, Thomas Smith, who was one of my favorite players growing up as a Buffalo Bill. He's been on the show. Craig Urbic, um, not just Buffalo Bills, but I've had Kevin Carter, who had 100 sacks in the NFL, mostly for the Rams, also with the Titans. He's been on this podcast. And then I was able to go like beyond football with, with athletics. Like I grew up, I love football, but I also grew up a huge NBA fan. And to be able to have two of my favorite, and more specifically, I was always a point guard guy. I still am. Love the point guards. Two of my all-time favorite point guards growing up, Rod Strickland and Kenny Anderson. I've had both of them on this show. Just, again, great honor after great honor to have so many of these uh, great guests. I've gotten indulgent at times. I don't really watch them much anymore, but I am a big uh, reality singing show fan. I loved American Idol. I loved The Voice. Elliot Yamin, I think it might have been season four or five of American Idol. My favorite contestant ever. Had him on the podcast. That was really cool. Uh, Matthew Schuler, he was a finalist on The Voice. I've had him on the podcast. That was a huge drill for me. I loved watching him perform on there. Uh, there was another, Addison Agan. She finished second. She, she was a finalist. She almost won the whole damn thing on The Voice one season. I've had her on. Uh, tons of local not just sports media, but news media people as well. And I'm not going to mention most of them at, at this point. They know who they are. Too many to mention. I'll be here forever if I do that. Just so many people from the Western New York media market that have been so gracious with, with their time to do this show. I've had a lot of fun interviews, a lot of great um, guests. Some of my, a couple of my personal favorites, like Madison Carter, who was a, a, a re, not a sports, a, a news reporter here at Channel 7. She's in Atlanta working now. Probably my favorite interview ever. I just loved Madison Carter. I know a lot of Sabres fans have beef with Paul Hamilton, and trust me, I get it. I know why. I see your point. But I'm going to be honest. Paul Hamilton was on this podcast, and it was one of my very favorite interviews that I've ever done. I thought it was a great interview. Uh, Marcel Louis Jacques, who covered the Buffalo Bills for ESPN, now he's um, covering the Miami Dolphins. He's been on the show a couple times, and I loved Having, I never felt like I was interviewing Marcel. It I was always, I always felt like we were just having a conversation, and it just, it flowed really well. Missed that dude. I still wish he was covering uh, the Bills, but I'm happy for him in Miami. But anyway, again, another one of my favorites. And then I got to end by saying a couple, not necessarily name people, so to speak, but a couple guests that have always been steady and reliable for me. Joe from New York City, Buffalo Wins on Twitter, gets a lot of shit, and he deserves a lot of shit. Quite frankly. On Twitter, he's just a, he's a curmudgeon in a way, all right? Let's just call it what it is. But he's also, and, and he's actually a, a good dude, man. And he's the, uh, what is he? He calls himself the emergency quarterback for this podcast. Because whenever I'm stuck, I can't get a guest, or I don't have a guest, or I decide I want to do a show without pre-planning, I just want to throw something together quickly, nine and a half out of 10 times, I could call Joe and he'll jump on the podcast with me. I mean, he's been on dozens of times, literally, through these first 500 episodes. So, so I can't thank him enough. And then the other guy, my man from cover one, Aaron Quinn, he's doing casual Fridays with me now every week on this podcast. And he's just been there pretty much from day one throughout. Again, I could pre-plan something well ahead of time. I could call him on a limb. He makes time. He finds a way to do the show. And he's a great guest too. He's a great talker. I, I love having Aaron Quinn on. So those two guys have been very uh, important to this podcast over these first 500 episodes. So thank you very much, Joe from New York. And uh, thanks, Aaron Quinn. And then last but not least, I got to throw props to my man who will be on the show tomorrow, 
Joe Yurt, and I've had Joe on more than any guest by far. He's been doing well. He was doing casual fighting with me. He did that for over a year, and now we're doing Tuesday shows. I love Joe, man. He is a great dude, a great talent. He's a good writer. He's a great podcaster. He's got a great voice, just very entertaining, very, man, I love having that dude on. I, I go on forever. Anyway, my man, Joe Yurden, can't tell you how much I appreciate him. He has been such a big part of the growth of this podcast. And I truly, truly mean that. Everyone I just mentioned, man, I, I thank all you guys so much. And of course, more than anything, you guys are all the best. There's so many goddamn podcasts out there, man. I, I know that. There's tons and tons and tons of Buffalo podcasts, mainly Bills, but just Buffalo stuff. And I know people like to, you know, they some people come, some people go. That's just the way it is when you have a podcast or a blog or pretty much anything. But I know a lot of you listening have been down with this podcast for quite a long time. Now. And I cannot thank you enough. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Big Bills win, man. Big Bills win. It was a little bit on the ugly side, but again, you're 6-1. and one. It's all that matters. I'll be back. Brand new episode. Joe Yurden with me on tomorrow's show. And then again, hopefully, tentatively, it's written in paper. I'll let you know on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Pat Marin Tweets. I'll let you know when it's officially official. But Tim Graham, Sal Capaccio, scheduled to be on the show on Wednesday. Aaron Quinn on Friday. Big week here at Talk About Flow Podcast. Talk to you guys soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.